It's the Paul Patterson and Tom Scallon podcast show. They're talking the walk and not about sloppy, sloppy Joes. So, talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk show. Welcome back to Talking the Walk. This is episode 39. Phoenix, as we told you last week, because this is part two in a three-part series, and I am Paul Patterson. And I'm Tom Scallon. That was pretty good. That wasn't, there wasn't much of a pause right there. Um, original music, Jake Brown. Original artwork, Bailey Bishop. Social media director, Tyler Stanley. Fact checker, Jill Martin. She, uh, she had a busy, she didn't really have a busy week fact checking, but she definitely did do some fact checking. And then, of course, marketing is Jeff Ravy. So, Tim Clay, I don't want you to think that this is me griping. This is just simply a question. What makes, this is, this is after being in Marshalltown on Monday night, what makes a place, when you're getting ready to, to do a bathroom, what makes you go part hands-free and part traditional where you actually have to touch it and to turn it on or to flush it or dispense it? That's my question. Well, are you doing? Are you doing the whole bathroom? I mean, are you doing? I don't know. I, all I know is when I walk into walk into Marshalltown, I have to push the lever to flush the toilet or to flush the urinal. Then I go over to the sink. I have to push the. Uh, it's one of those where you plunge it, so you push it down, and then you know as it's rising back up, the water runs until it gets to the top and it shuts off. And then I go over to the hands-free hand dryer. Why do you have a hands-free hand dryer and a lever for a urinal and I have to touch the sink? And the soap dispenser was, I had to plunge the, I had to push the hand, hand soap. So here are my thoughts. I like that, yes. One, this is why we're talking about it. One, didn't have enough money to do the whole thing. Okay. Two, everything that you said that was automated, um, What'd you say? The hand dryer, the water? No, nope, water I had to touch. The only thing that was the, the hand dryer was it as far as not, um, it was hands-free. That's the only piece that was hands-free. I thought you said they were all hands-free. No. So, my, so why, are you asking, why are you asking about hands-free? The, the, the part that it got me to was why are there bits and pieces in bathrooms most of the time when you go in that are it doesn't seem to be all or none. It seems to be bits and parts, hands-free and touching. Well, still number one, they don't uh, value engineering. Coming and number two is water's expensive. Uh, running those, the air dryers, those are expensive. So if you can limit the amount of water when you wash your hands, every toilet, you can only just flick it once and you can keep pressing it down. And unless it's broke, it stops eventually. But people can leave water run if you allow them to to turn all the knobs all the way up, and then they can just walk out. Not that any high school kid would ever do that. Yeah, or you could go to our the bathroom across from Lammer's office, and and the the one urinal flushes. It must take six gallons before it yeah. finally stops its cycle. That's economical. Anyway, so I was just, that was that was one of the things that I was thinking of. It has nothing to do with confessional. It was just a a, a thought 
um, of why oftentimes you go to a bathroom and it's not all. It's usually parts and bits. That's all. Some cost control. Yeah, or in the world of construction, value. value. Yes. <laughs> fancy, fancy terminology. Okay, are you ready for a confessional? I don't have anything to confess, so I'm ready. Imagine that, Tyler Shamel. Are you listening? Yes, you are. And I, that's, that is a shot towards Lee. That's a check, a check mark. And I like Lee because he jumps in the confessional and a black ball for Tom Scanlon because he does not. Anyway, first one. That's all right. He can worship at the altar, Lee. Okay, he does. First confessional um, is folding some laundry tonight. I am unable to comprehend how one shirt of Will's fits him and the other one also fits him. One seems like it should not fit. Um, and the other one, I can understand why it does. I just don't understand the variant in size issue there when it comes to clothing. Maybe you should take notice of what your kid is wearing and then you'd know if it actually does fit or not. Um, but that's the thing. I don't, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know. I just don't know how it, how it works. You're, you're expecting him to decide whether this fits or not. And he's just throwing on a shirt. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. <clears throat> At some point in time in your life, you have to put something on and say, gosh, this is really tight, but it isn't. This is my, this is where I'm going with this is, is that obviously it still fits, but I don't know how it still fits. That's my, well, maybe, that's what I'm saying. maybe it doesn't fit. Maybe he likes when he wears a hoodie, a little tighter fit underneath. And he's like, right. that's my hoodie okay. shirt. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Second, uh, love Jake to death. However, um, with him Jake gone, who? Jake Patterson, Jacob. It, it, you're talking about Jake Brown. No, no. <laughs> it does make it easier when he is not home for me to decide whose sweatshirt, whose pants, whose socks I am folding. It just does. That's not a, yeah. that's not a bash. That's not, it's just, it, it's easier when there's only one here to decide whose it is. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. We have, we have a similar problem between hoodies, sweatshirts with Kennedy, Quinn, and even Tom, you know, cause Tom, he's, he's a little taller than the rest, not much taller. And um, they all are medium, uh, <laughs> And Kennedy's not kind of a, you know, she's not a pink girl. So you don't see a lot of uh, sexist colors. It's just, and I get it wrong every time. And I'm told so. Yeah. that So <clears throat> I'm just, it, it makes it easier. Socks are the worst. Well, first of all, you got to find a match. Okay. First of all, you have to turn them right side in or right side out, whichever way you want to think about it. And that's a struggle. Then after you get that done, then you have to figure, is, does this one go with this one or does this one go with that one? And anyway. Well, to make matters worse, make, to make matters worse, Tom comes home and both he and I have, I don't know, I think it's 12 to maybe 16 pairs of socks from Game of Thrones. <laughs> that are so the same. We have Game of Thrones. Yeah, but they're from the same set. And so sometimes he'd be, he'd be stealing like my start if you've watched Game of Thrones. No, I have no idea what stealing, you just said. He'd be stealing the starts. Well, they're the good guys. And I know he's, I, when he went home to California, was some of my favorite socks. 
when you're taking a trip out there to get that brought back to fixed. I'm thinking about sending him a scathing text because he doesn't respond to email and say, send, quit holding my socks hostage. Um, it's interesting that you're upset that you're missing good people's socks, like the good guy's socks, when you're such a huge fan of the, the Sith in um, Star Wars. No, it's not because he likes. Oh the boy, good I guys. can't wait for this explanation. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. He likes the good guys, so he took the good guy sock. So why still does it socks. bother you? Oh, because, because it's your socks, mine. not because it's a good. Yeah. So whether he had good guys, bad guys, dragons, whatever, you're you're irritated because you don't have your socks. He took my Targaryen okay. socks, which are the dragon. He Fair took enough. lots of my. Okay, I I now comprehend what the true issue is, and welcome to the confessional. So. <clears throat> pretty good at drawing people in. I don't know if you've realized that or not. Here's my next one. I am really a big fan of our humidifier. The problem is, is that I'm not very intelligent most of the time in my life. And so when I come home, my, my habit is just to fill that sucker. Got to fill it. Well, I overflowed it a little bit today on the hardwood floor Got to wait for it to, to dry out um, and empty a little bit so I can get underneath there and wipe it really good. Um, Christy is not home and I am not going to be well thought of when she does come home and realize that that is what I've done. So I thought I'd get that out of the way. So why do you why need a humidifier? A humidifier? Well, there, there really three reasons. One, clothes. Do not, we don't, we don't experience as much static with our clothes. Number two, well, and, and in general, just touching things. I don't shock, like when I go to turn the light on, I don't hit the, hit the screw, you know, and the, and the lights, light switch cover and my finger gets a shock or yeah. walk by somebody and shock them, whatever. That, yeah. very limited. You've probably saved your life at a gas station 10, 20 times just having that humidifier. I like to think so. Two, I have, for whatever reason, when it gets really dry in the house, I just, I have bad nosebleeds. Don't have any issue with that right now. And the third, and I know that this one's going to sound a little wacky, our floors don't creak as bad with the humidifier going during the winter months, especially when it's really cold. So those are the three big reasons why we have a humidifier. Okay. Welcome to it. I... Are you so you're disagreeing with the facts that are here? Well, they 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 sound like alternative facts, but oh, okay. So masks as as shouldn't be worn because I can find one study that says that masks are ineffective. <laughs> well, according to some, that's true. But I'm I I'm telling you, I am experiencing those three things because of our humidifier, and you're doubting that I'm experiencing those three things. No, I'm saying there could be other Part factors. That, I'm saying there's, there could be other factors in play here. There could, but right now I'm telling you, I believe that it's the humidifier that's taking care of that. Okay, well, your floors are, your floors are sealed. They still creak and they creak less when we have the humidifier going. But they don't accept moisture. Somehow, some way, they don't creak as much when the humidifier is going. Maybe all that walking, you're lighting the load a little. Um, I don't know about that. So I have two final ones. 
One, just a general update on where I'm at with my February goal on my watch of burning 45,300 calories for the month in 28 days. I'm on pace. I have caught back up because I have absolutely crushed it this week. Crushed it. The next one. This one's a little bit more personal. Sunday is my first official day on the job and I am a little anxious. We have our first board of directors meeting and that's when I officially um, take over. A little anxious, not, not like, oh my gosh, I can't go to the meeting, I'm gonna hide in the corner, but just anxious. Um, part, of, part of the reason is I'm gonna walk in and I'm gonna shake the tree pretty hard. Um, and that doesn't necessarily always go over very well. Are you going to do 75 executive orders? No, no, but I am going to, I am going to inform them of a few things that we need to, we need to be taking a look at. And I, some of the older guys in the, in the room are not going to think it's very good. Um, so we're, we're going to, we're going to see how that goes. Schmitz is calling and I'm ignoring him. So let's go, let's go to feedback. Are you ready for that? Is that a yes? <laughs> Yes. Okay. First one is we're going to go to um, Jeff Cleaver. He is the first one, or Meet, if you if you will. And Meet um, sent this in, and he said, "Interesting that remembering all the crappy stuff caused the most laughter. It was pretty funny. I mean, obviously not at the time, but but now, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I don't read this one. It was my favorite, by the way. I don't remember." The post-game parent argument was scaling in the parking lot, but I was definitely part of that staff um, that walked by it. I was probably carrying the kicking net inside, my bad. I, the one thing that I don't know if everybody, were you in the coach's locker room afterwards? When I, when I came in and I was spitting nails at everybody? Oh, uh, no, I never saw that. <laughs> Oof, I, I, I unleashed. Uh, on the assistant coaches in the coaches locker room on that one. I could not believe that everybody walked past you and her nose to nose screaming at one another. Whew, I was, I was hot. Anyway, this is probably true for every teacher or coach thinking about their first years of teaching. But I think back to my first two years of coaching, which just so happened to be in the dark ages and think, man, I stunk. <laughs> Wish I could go back and coach some of those kids again. There were some really good kids in those. Agreed. Next one, Dennis Bura. Um, I am not going verbatim on this one. He hopes the explicit who started the petition get COVID. Is that too dark? Um, and then he yeah, he was friends with many of them. He would like to buy a uh, a couple of T-shirts for Schmitz to mail out. Um, so I did enjoy his word that he used for the parents. Then we got talking about, he thought one of my fondest memories of Lars and uh, Eva Bura is in 1990, would it have been eight? Nah, yeah, it might, I'm gonna say 98 or 99. We are standing at Grinnell and we are facing south because that's where the scoreboard is and the national anthem is playing. And Lars and Eva come through the gate. Remember, they're from Denmark. So the national anthem really doesn't mean much to people from Denmark. 
and Lars is waving at Dennis like crazy. And I happen to be standing fairly close to Dennis, waving like crazy at Dennis, just waving, 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 waving. National anthem is playing. And finally, a big old right hook out of Eva comes and smacks Lars. And he straightens up, turns around, and then starts paying attention to the, uh, to the flag. I was roll. I shouldn't have been laughing, but man, oh man, was that funny! And so Dennis and I were were we chit chatted a little bit about that. Justin Kralik, interesting use of turned over a new leaf in regards to marijuana. <laughs> I tried on that one, even though I said no pun intended, but I enjoyed it. And then he informed us that his dad played at Maxburg, um, played football at Maxburg. I I asked if his dad was one of the ones that. Asked if you guys were lost when you guys were rolling through Maxburg that night after playing Creston, which should have been 2010, I would imagine, is when that would have been. Somewhere in there. Um, Jeff Grady, sorry, Tom. Lee got you good with the Magnum PI versus Star Wars. And I know, and you know, I love Star Wars too. Uh, really proud of the wrestlers. So much fun to be a part of it and watch Coach Schmitz and company make history. And I think one of the more interesting things that Jeff ended up tweeting out at one point in time this week is that every single kid, I think, I don't know in the program, but at least the varsity roster that wrestles um, are all Norwalk kids, all made it through the, uh, the youth program, through the middle school, and then now up to the, to the high school. And I think that's pretty remarkable. Um, Dark Age is really interested to hear. The next one is 2008 was my first year at Norwalk surviving Atlas Ball. Atlas Ball was what helped keep my edge in that opening game versus Winterset. My first coaching experience was Jake's pick six. That's Jake Marillo. Um, feel free not to include Jake's picks if that was a spoiler for the Phoenix episode, but we're in the Phoenix episode, so it doesn't matter. Would love an update from that group of boys. Appreciated them. They didn't know me at all and were very open to any suggestions. Very few I gave them that year. Um, and then he said, if I'm a Smartless fan, I, I will like the Ricky Gervais um, episode, which I thought was good. Um, Brad Criswell and I are very similar human beings. And he said, raised the, the exactly the same way in regards to marijuana. Um, people that did drugs in school were looked down upon and considered druggies. I'd say 95% of the kids in my school all felt this way, but alcohol was the cool thing and a, and a, a lot partook. Um, and then hypocrisy at its finest, you know, as far as that being the case. Um, and then having said that, he said, to this day, I hate the smell of marijuana. I've never tried it and have no intention of doing so because he doesn't like the, the smell. Um, Eric Neeson watched the, uh, um, he watched the Indianola game online and he informed me that he thought that the stripes that I have to wear when I keep the book made me look thinner. I told him, of course, I'm going to include that in the, uh, in the episode. Um, Pete, <laughs> his, his feedback was really funny because as he was listening to me talk about, geez, who do the girls play next? Who do the girls play next? I can't think of who the girls play next. He's like, they play Creston and you just said it, Creston. They play Creston as he's yelling at the um, radio while he's listening and I couldn't figure it out. But the girls, um, after they beat Hoover tonight, will play Creston in the next round. He wanted to make sure we knew that uh, Mountain Dew is the uh, nectar of the gods and not Coca-Cola. I told him, you know what? I respect your opinion. I just disagree. That's where I'm at with that one. Um, oh geez, Cole Hopkins. 
Cole Hopkins. Let me get to his here. Cole Hopkins, the dark age is an awful lot of feedback because I believe this was my favorite pod to date, which is interesting. Um, played the got any Bud Light snippet for the fellas Friday night and everyone was pretty tickled. Scallon talking about parents being outraged that he expected kids to come in on Saturdays reminded me of the Coach Carter scene where parents could not believe their sons were expected to maintain a 2.3 GPA. Very happy for Schmitz. He's built an awesome program. I'd pay top dollar subscription for an explicitly rated no holds barred podcast. It, it could get it could get pretty nasty and off the hook wild. Off, oh, sorry. I almost went off the record. When we retire. Yeah, when yeah. we retire. And, and I will promise you this. I'm not forgetting. I'm not. Um, so just forgive. Tyler Shamel, he had one. I got to find his. He, he and I texted here recently because he had some other things going on. But um, elliptical for me is the best way to lose calories. Uh, easy four to 500 calories. One of those fights back in the day had to be a had to be a brother of uh, we we had several brothers play and he was accurate in the guess as to who the fight was with. Remaining nameless, um, and he loves the free ads for uh, Apple products, so he likes that stuff. Here, Greenley, talked to her today because you and I both received our first doses, and she was in there and she said that. Ryan had his her son had one of her sons had a birthday, so she drove out to Wayne and on her way out and back she listened to talking the walk in the car, and she thoroughly enjoyed listening to us. Did she talk to you about it tonight? Yeah, she talked to me as well. Okay, I was hoping so. So you actually have some you have some feedback. Well, just the feedback you just gave. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Trevor Tompkins going to take care of two things here for him. First, final bowling update, substate meet, neither boys or girls had anyone move on as individuals to state. Only the first place team from each substate um, moves on before they take next highest at large team scores. Boys finish fifth and girls finish third. The seasons are done. Dalton Stoffel, Macy Sylvester finished first team all conference. Emerson Fells finished second team and Zach Hartman, honorable mention. On a completely separate subject, I attended my first basketball game in person last night and thought I would enjoy, but sadly I can watch a game as a, as a past and present official and not say one word about the officiating, just watch. Enjoy kids competing, but I swear I'm the only one on our side that feels that way. Not just a few bad calls, almost every single call, easy ones included, are terrible and they're attacked sometimes personally. He struggles with that. And so he and I went back and forth a little bit about that and I just told him that's part of the reason why if there's a home event, like last night, went to the sophomore game, I sat completely by myself. I mean, no one around me on the far side, right behind the bench. And it was glorious to sit over there and not have to listen to anything. And that's also when, you know, when we have home events at the stadium where I find myself in the booth or I find myself very removed. So I don't have to sit by that because it is tough to listen to, you know, and, and it's not always just the, um, officials sometimes it's the coaches who aren't making smart moves and doing things that they're supposed to do and it's tough to sit there and listen to that so i thought i'd share that with you okay are you ready for jill martins yes yes just started so she's just listening fact clarification it was their golden birthday lucy and ethel's golden birthday the girls had their golden birthday 
not just any birthday, but their golden birthday. Lucy wanted me to make sure you knew that detail. And so I thanked Jill and told Jill that she should thank Lucy. And Lucy, Lucy is very kind and considerate for that. Um, and then Lucy's the more talking about the two. Yeah. Yeah. And she um, agrees with me with the logo. We started a new little thing with the logo. And I, I, I won't say that on air. I'll have to tell you that afterwards. Um, and she, she is um, very similar to myself when it comes to uh, having a different perspective when it comes to marijuana. So I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. Now, here's the last one. And I just don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know if Orrin Waters listens to the podcast or not. He just randomly sent me some texts asking me questions that he must have, he must have been FaceTiming with Cole. And you yeah. And so, so that stemmed into several questions about um, Isaac running onto the field yeah. and, and then into past stuff. And so I couldn't tell, was it all generated from your conversation or does he listen to the podcast? I think that was all generated from Cole talking about the podcast and then uh, Oren wanted to know if I remembered Isaac running onto the field because it's those years, it's like that 98 year or whenever. And I did not remember Isaac running onto the field. <laughs> I said, I was probably trying to focus on the fact that the other team was about to score. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I, I just, so I was having a tough time trying to put that all together. And Well, it was an interesting, interesting spot. I was, uh, I was, I think, grilling dinner, talking to Oren, Kennedy, and Cole were downstairs. The rest of the family's around. So I just had a lot going on. Okay. He, he said that at, at a fire pit, we will, we will continue a, uh, a history lesson. Yeah, he provided me with some more. Um, well, one, what they'd like to see happen at the fire pit, a little bit of the agenda. <laughs> did, it, um, did it come from me? <laughs> Yeah. Did you hear what I told him? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then two, they, they want the inside scoop on some of this stuff that I told him, especially one of our former head coaches. And I said, I'm out. That one. I, yes, he was asking some questions about that too. Left it alone. So that's when I gave my suggestion as to what we need to do at the fire pit. Okay. Moving on to high school sports. Obviously got the bowling update wrestling. Uh, they finished fifth today. You know, it, one tremendous team season, tremendous team season. We had seven kids on Saturday um, make it to individual state, which starts starts tomorrow. And of course, that's you know Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. By the way, a little side note: great week to be a wrestling coach in the high school because you had two hour late start on Monday, two hour late start on Tuesday, no school Wednesday, no school Thursday, no school Friday because you're at wrestling Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Pretty sweet gig, fellas. Pretty sweet gig. So um, state individual wrestling starts tomorrow. And obviously we have seven. So what a, a team is now done. Um, finished fifth in the state in class 3A. First time ever making it to team duels, you know, and, and finished fifth. That's a great year for a, for a uh, for the, from the team side. Yeah, I, they all should be really proud. 
it's exciting to see that like i said the last match at home was great to see and just coming out fifth which you and i talked about already it's kind of odd that they do all that usually yep. you know at boys state you've got to win one game to get into the you know the, the final semifinal deal but it's good for our kids that they got to do it and uh um, some different kids got to wrestle today in the fifth fifth uh place match so that's good yeah and you know i know i know brandon doesn't have any time and their staff doesn't have any time to really enjoy that because uh, they got to roll right into trying to get many of those same kids as far as they can to get on the podium so it'll be it's an exciting couple of days for them yeah yeah and and you know the the biggest positive is that your body is all on adrenaline so it's not like you're you're worried about man I didn't get enough sleep or whatever you, you're gonna be you're gonna be okay from an adrenaline standpoint and, and well and Schmitz can always rely on Jake Brown the greatest wrestling coach in Norwalk history <clears throat> I mean we because we are talking about the Phoenix you know rising from the ashes I mean that that's he is if if we should put wings on him Jake Brown and and he could be our he could be our mascot for this uh, this episode um basketball boys basketball you know finished up on uh, uh last night they they ended up beating adm lost to marshalltown on monday and beat adm and now they they'll turn around and they'll play their first round game against mason city on monday and they'll host um girls are playing right now as we speak and i haven't looked at twitter to see where they're at um but they host hoover and then when they win tonight then they'll play saturday at uh at creston and another playing my dog yeah the husky is that dog. it? Well, they—I don't know if they have a lot of bikes. Boop, boop. I thought we were going to get one of those. Nope, I save that for special occasions. Maybe a fire pit. Okay. Okay. Fair we enough. Can, we can break out a few Uber cheers and see if we can incorporate them, like jump around. Um, we can try. Now, what what do we say about? I meant the. Like, what do you what do you say about the new mascot? Hey, penis head. Um. You know, are you gonna win tonight? All you gotta do is put your mind to put it. Your, put your mind to it. All you gotta do is put your helmet to it and do it. Oh <laughs> yeah, it. dang it. Okay, we're going down a rabbit hole already that I do right not want to go down. I don't want to go down it. I just okay. Moving on. You started. Yes, I did. I apologize. Anything else for high school sports? Is that it? That's it. Okay, moving on to non-sponsor. Everybody ready for the non-sponsor? Because we are rising from the ashes, from the dark ages, we are taking flight again. Danby uh, is our non-sponsor. Danby does a nice job of uh, refrigerators for the home. And sometimes they make a special um, refrigerator that you can take a fairly large um, aluminum cylinder and you can set it inside of it and keep it cold. And it makes everything right. Yep. Very economical. Very economical. And and when things are going well, typically have to have to you have to change the the cylinder that's on the inside probably about every three weeks, three and a half weeks, something like that. If things are going bad, you may have to do it weekly. Yeah. Yeah. So Danby, we appreciate you. Um, as our non-sponsor for making uh, special refrigerators. Yeah, I love Danby. <laughs> Most people do. 
most people do. So here we are, right? We, we talked last week, three-part series. You know, last week was Dark Ages. This week is Phoenix. Next week is a special guest, the ever good looking. Kevin Ferguson, who is the head football coach at Ames, coming on. And, and that title is Bill Walsh. And of course, we'll talk about that uh, even more when we get to it and why I picked Bill Walsh. But, but Kevin's going to come on and, and talk about the third piece in this and, and essentially is what, what does a new coach need to do when he comes in or she comes into a program? What are the things that you're looking for? Um, and, and I'm going to talk about it again next. Oh, sorry. Did you, did you get uh, the picture of him? We probably should do. We'll get more. We'll get more listens if we can get his picture up. The, this so, I I do, and I hope he's listening right now, because I'm going to mention it again next week. But I always give him a hard time because he is a handsome young man, and I keep I always give him a hard time about. It. I hope that whenever we do anything, that he is shirtless, um, because he does a very good job of grooming himself from the waist up, um, chest hair and all that stuff. And if we could get him a, in a, with a shirtless picture, I think we would get even more listens. That's where I was going with that. Okay. I, I was pretty good with just saying he's good looking, <laughs> but now, now it feels like, you know, too much. Uh, whatever. Anyway, but what, what do new, new coaches need to do? And, and, and as I'm going to talk about it again next week, but I haven't, I haven't had a new job in 24 years. I haven't applied for a job in 24 years. So I have no idea. So we're going to, we're going to listen to him and talk about some of the things that he might think. So in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, you know, we, we went through and talked essentially, I mean, a lot of it was 2005, six and seven, when we were three and six, one and eight, one and eight. And what did we do to turn things around? What did we do to, uh, so before we do all of that, what I would like to do is come back and revisit this Sweeney story that you have from 2008 when we played them week one at home uh, and ended up winning 21-14 against them with a Jake Marillo pick six in the fourth quarter. And that's Corey Anderson as quarterback. That's 2010. So it's 2010. Oh, Okay. I think this is when the statement's made. Now, Marty Stoll. So if we're going 2010, so we got to change change the, the, the deal. The practice field is tore up. We had to change bleachers because we took the bleachers down. We have a huge net and the, on the west end of the field that we're kicking into. This is all going on at that time. In 2010, what year did Corey have the picks? The four picks. He threw four interceptions in 2010, and we scored with like 14 seconds left to win that game. And I think Sweeney's statement was he was talking to Marty Stolt, you know, ex coach with us, ex Simpson player, um, bird hunters. They bird bird hunters together. And all Sweeney said is he felt like that was the first time that offensively and defensively, we stayed consistent to what we were doing throughout the whole game, which at first kind of, I was upset about because it's like, I think I say consistent to what we do the whole game anyway, but his feel was that we, we get jumpy, jittery and move around and maybe Don Campbell who coaches with us now he said that before like why didn't you run Sean Modlin more he was he was a really good running back and you guys didn't do that that year and we just 
didn't think we could run the ball. Right. And he's like, had, you at least tried with him. We abandoned the run too quickly in 2004. That's what his, his big thing was. Right. So it was an interesting statement. Like some people are always like, it'd be interesting to know what other coaches think of you, this or that. Well, I mean, we've got a good relationship with Sweeney, even though he is a winter set coach. And he, he kind of just laid it out there. That he felt like that was the first time it was um, consistent, a consistent philosophy and consistent execution of what we wanted to do as a game plan for coaches, not the players, just the coach. Yeah. So that was a, that, that statement has stuck with me a long time when I think about what we do and why we do. That's a, that's an outsider's view and perspective on, on what's going on for us. And sometimes it's, it's, you need that. You need to hear that. Um, so, well, also it's us. Winterset had been, Winterset had been more successful than us for correct a while. And this was us slowly starting, you know, we'd won in 2008 and then we're coming back and beat him you know, in 2009 also. So I think now his view is things are changing and this is why. And in 2009, Steve Brown had a pretty good game. We, we fed him the football a lot in 2009. First thousand yard rusher in school history. So for, for, for us turning this around, I think the first thing that we have to talk about, and we've got to make sure we, we, we our listeners understand is that it had to start with me. Not, not what I thought should happen or what I think should go on or what changes I needed to make. I mean, literally with me, I had to start thinking differently and I had to start taking things on differently and taking responsibility for not only my my actions but also my thoughts when it comes to how things went in our program and I and I think that was a significant shift for me um, because I was tired of what was going on and I was tired of the dark ages and and that was um, if I remember correctly 2007 I spent I know that this is going to sound awful but I spent about three weeks and probably about 80 hours um, with Al in uh, end of the season program review. And that's no joke. Um, we, we met for a couple hours a day for three weeks and it was unbelievable how much we spent on, on getting things and where we needed to be and what we needed to do and what kind of plan we needed to come up with. And the very first thing outside of me changing and shifting what I was thinking and what I was doing and, and my perspective on things was I love Jim Collins's book, Good to Great. Love it. And the very first thing we did was we had to, we had to have some hard conversations with um, coaches that were on staff. And, and that was a very difficult time. You know, and Al, Al was good um, when it came to that. You know, he just said, I'll, I'll take care of it if you want me to. And I said, no way. It's, it's my program, and I'm going to have those conversations. And that, that was a tough three or four days that we had in, in the – it was the early year or early part of 2008, you know, asked some people to resign, asked some people to go to the middle school um, and shifted a couple other people around and man, it was tough. You remember those times? Yeah, because I think, um, I don't want to say, was it social media? Uh, there were different chat rooms maybe at the time. Was that it? Chat rooms? Maybe there a blog. Some shade, shade thrown our way. A blog. You know, as to why, One particular yeah, man. Why, yeah, why things were happening. And he was only half right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so that was the first. I also, thing. I also, I also give 
uh, I'm probably interjecting into your sequence of events here, but nope. I also give Al a lot of credit because I usually give him a lot of shots, but I'll give him credit where, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Germany catching that ball and keeps us, keeps us alive from being fired. Um, I also think Al Lammer stuck his neck out and said, let's do some work and, and keep these people in business and see what happens. Yeah. Well, I think there were others that were not as positive about where we were headed. The, the, you know, and, and Alan, I have talked about this at length before is that um, he needed some of those changes to happen and to see if I was willing to even do them, you know, because sometimes you can have that conversation with a coach about, man, I think we should do this or, you know, we, trying to go through some of the different things that you think you need to do and implement and, and take care of. Um, and then when it comes time to actually do it, the coach doesn't follow through and get it taken care of. And so putting those down on paper, you know, all the things that we, we worked on and all the things that we did um, were, were significant. And then obviously following through with those you know, from the coaching changes and, and moving them from point A to point B or point A to out the door were, were significant. And that was, that was the first step. I think the second step, if, if we're going to go, you know, kind of not necessarily chronological order, but, but maybe the order in which things started to look up was, was we also took care of the middle school. You know, we hired Joe Kuhn at one point in time to be our middle school coordinator. He, he coached um, at the seventh grade level, but then he also took care of coordinating both the seventh and eighth grade. And that point person um, was significant for us in, in making sure that we were, um, we were aligned seven through 12, because before it was, it was basically seventh grade and then it was eighth grade and then it was ninth through 12. And, and having Joe down there to take care of that was, was a huge piece in moving us in the right direction. Huge. Cause that was, that was hard. You have some coaches down there that were having success um, and didn't see the picture that you were trying to paint, yep. which was, well, if you give the fastest kid the ball all the time and he can outrun everybody, all that does is help the fastest kid outrun everybody. It doesn't necessarily grow us. And I think you also started with, you know, we have to play more kids and those philosophies started to evolve right from that, from that point forward. Right. And, and, and some, somebody that would execute it for you. Same, same thing we talked about last week, you know, just because a kid's talented doesn't necessarily mean that you, you, you just ride that, that point. Actually, that would be two weeks ago when we talked about potential. You know, I, that was significant. Um, you know, the next thing, if we're gonna if we're gonna continue to go down um, as far as grade level, and we're gonna talk about um, youth football, that was a significant piece, and and it really came to a head in 2011 when we built the new stadium. You know, we had three youth organizations in in town. We had the we had the Buccaneers that played in Indianola. We had the the Norwalk Warriors who played in the Carlisle League and and played on our practice field, and then we had the the Vikings who played in the West Des Moines um, league. And, and finally in 2011, put everybody in the, in the same room and boy, they, those were some unpleasant conversations um, and got everybody on board. And we, we joined one league and we formed one team and we formed one program and we have reaped the benefits of that from that day forward. And, and it was not easy. It was tough um, to get that done. And, and there were a well, lot you, of, sorry. You, you pulled out some William Wallace. A little United bit. the clans. I didn't get clans. I didn't get um, disemboweled, and I did not get quartered. 
Well, I don't know, based on some parent conversations that you've had, <laughs> maybe, maybe figuratively you have, but all I'm saying is that uh, I think that meeting helped establish you as the leader of Norwalk football, not the leader of high school. Sure. And so they all started to look to you as you're someone that's leading this all the way down to here, whatever grade, third grade. Um, that's why I say, you know, unite the clans. And William failed to, and that's why he lost. Besides we, uh, the fact that the British were overwhelmingly stronger. Outnumbered them by a lot. We we ended up um, starting, you know, at, at whatever point in time, 2011 until now. Um, I, I have not sat in on all the interviews, but from 2011 until about 2018, I sat in on every youth football interview, sat in on all youth football board meetings and everything um, all the way through. And, and it really started there in that 2011 time when, when we took all three youth organizations and put them together. Um, it, it was a it was a rough patch, um, but it was it, the outcome was huge. Um, and at, at some point, at some point, you have to give that up, though. You have too many other things that you need to do, and if if it's a process or it's a person, which you know, which is it? Are you handling yeah. me right now, Andy? <laughs> no, I don't do that. Feels, feels like American president right now. Standing in there, we're playing billiards. No, I'm not handling. I'm just your concierge. <laughs> oh, so that took care of those middle school youth football, right coaches. You know, we 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 had to, we had to make some changes. We got the right people on the bus, and then we and then we started to move some people around, and got them in the right seats, not just on the bus, but on the right seats. Um, and then the next one, which was interesting, is quarterback club. Um, we got that started around 2007, 2008. And part of the reason why we started quarterback club was to help educate parents. I think one of the things that, that people have a tough time with is if they don't know, they will make up their own theories and thoughts. And then when you come in and you watch film and you come in and you listen to, listen to the same person talk over and over and over and over again about the game plan and what happened and why did this work and why did that not work? You now have some educated people who can help those that are sitting around um, understand what's going on and what's going to take place. And obviously, when you're one and when you're one and eight, they don't think you're very smart, um, and they have lots of questions as to why you're doing what you're doing. Which happened in 2007. 2008 was a little better. <laughs> 2009 back to not so good, and then 2010, 11, and you start moving forward. Um, quarterback club wasn't so bad. But man, there was a stretch there. And I don't know if you remember this, you know, we come in on Friday morning, you guys would be like, how many, how many parents were at quarterback club? And if we won, there'd be like six. If we'd lost, there'd be like 17 of them. Yep. <laughs> they only wanted to come and gripe at me when, when we didn't win. Um, but quarterback club was significant, you know, and that, and that obviously is more time away from home for me, but at the same time, necessary from um, in an education standpoint and opening the door for people to see that I'm not hiding anything. There isn't anything that's going on that, that you don't know, or, or you can't know this is what's going on. Well, the other reason was because we got to run around and get cold cuts from Scott's and then we could, cause we used to feed everybody. And then when everybody was gone, you and I could eat all the cold cuts. That's very true. That did happen frequently. Um, not a bad thing, not good for my weight, but it was still not a bad thing. 
Um, one of the things yeah, that we and did. I think, our, I think our wives figured it out too. That, you know, we, we, <laughs> we figured out a lot of things down. over the years. One but of the things. Now, seriously, you forgot. One of the things you forgot about that is that initially, well, I don't know right away. I think it was just you and I talking, but then a couple, one season in at least, we started bringing assistant coaches yeah, in true. and they started to explain all their yep. drills and everything else. You know, we had a speaker. Yeah, that was our way to try to convince people that we're not stupid, that we actually have a rhyme or reason of doing what we're doing. <laughs> and then we figured out that people either think we're stupid or smart based on how many wins or losses we have. Because right. you can be really smart one year and then you're really dumb the next. It happens frequently, unfortunately for me. Um, yeah, like the one mom from back in the day, the young man that found his way from playing in the first half to getting injured to finding his way to the to the crowd and the concession stand in the second half, sat in the, sat in the coach's locker room and listened to his mom right in front of me say, yeah, he's doing the best he can. I mean, he may not be good at what he does, but he's doing the best he can for you. Man, man thank you so much for those compliments. That was so much fun to hear as you're telling your son that I suck, um, but I am doing, you know, the best I can with what I have, which isn't much. Thank you. Um, the next one, and, and we don't do this anymore because we, we, the way that things are done from an academic standpoint are different and the way that we focus on academics is different than what it was. But at the time, we needed a shift in, in our academic focus. And so we implemented study table. And that was something that we did, you know, in early outs on Wednesdays. And then we also did it um, before school. Uh, and that was a, a significant shift for us as far as saying, you know, we say student athlete, but in the football program, we didn't pay a whole heck of a lot of attention to, to academics. We then started to place some emphasis on academics. And it's amazing. And you and I have had this conversation many, many, many times in the years that we've worked together. The kids that do really, really well in the classroom are also the kids that do really, really well in the football field intelligence is one thing hard work all over the place is another and i think that that's significant just because you scored a, a 33 on the act doesn't mean that you're a hard worker and you get good grades in the in the um, classroom yeah well effort yeah i yep. i always tell you about my all-american buddy at simpson and you know school at college was was tougher for him but if you put him on a football field and he had to make, he was a linebacker and he had to make all the calls and then had to make the adjustments. And then if they moved and shifted and motioned, he, that all clicked in his mind all in three seconds. And that's why I always argued with parents. We had par parents used to say, everybody should have a C average. And if they don't, they can't, they can't, you know, play sports. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the message to send because you as a parent, could you do this, 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 and this in five seconds? No, you can't. This is, they need to have hard work and work at their grades and do what they can. But this is an area of maybe giftedness for them. And, and, and that, and that really, that's what, that's what study table did for us is that, that put that emphasis back on not just working hard in the weight room and not working hard for other sports and not just working hard for football and while you're practicing, but also working hard in your academic life. Um, and, and that was, that was a significant shift for us. And I think that also helped us rise from the ashes. Next. Um, fight song. You know, we, we had to do something that brought something uh, uh, or some semblance of pride back to us. Do you remember this? 2007. It was the fall of 2007. We started this. We only got to sing it. We only had to sing it one time. But fall of 2007 brought Nick Menke in, who had to spend a significant amount of time 
looking for the school fight song because nobody knew what it was as far as the words to it. So he finds it and we had, we had our goal setting night and he came in and taught us the school fight song in 2007. And then we did that for a couple of years where we, we did it. And now it is so ingrained in what we do that we don't have to spend a ton of time teaching kids what the fight song is. We just have to sing a couple of times during camp and we've got it. And then every time we win, we go over to the stands and we, we sing it, whether that's home or away. Now, two things. One, let's be clear that uh, the band knows how to play the fight song. They did that really well. We just couldn't find music for the fight song. The I think we had to get it from Kim. Yeah, the words. We didn't, we didn't have the words. Music, words. Yeah. Kim yeah. Ward, I think, finally found it. Um, two, the next next thing we need to do i'm handling here again the next thing we need to do is sometimes we're at well we're at homecoming the pep assembly and the the fight song goes up and our guys don't stand up start clapping right away we need to get them trained up so okay. that wherever they're at they that's pop on up. me that's on me i gotta get that taken care of now the, the the one thing that should bother everybody that is involved with norwalk is that it was 2007 you think about how long it had been since someone had used the words to our school fight song to express what they knew if we had to search and search and search and finally found the words. There was a lot of time in there where we did not know the words to the fight song and that should never have been the case. But now we're good, we're good, we've got it. We all know. And it's, that wasn't a novel idea. You saw colleges doing it and things like that. It was novel for Norwalk. Now what's interesting is other teams that have talked to you and other teams that, you know, how did you rise from the ashes with your program? Suddenly other people are singing school songs. Yep. You know, and it, so it wasn't one of those things that it was just brand new to the world, brand new to us. And then other people started doing it because they, I think, saw some of the unity that it brought within our program. Right, right. And I think that was significant. Um, no one no one other than me is going to enjoy this one, but jump around. You know, giving the fans something to be excited about in between the third and fourth quarter. Well, it's true. I don't really care what you say as a Hawkeye fan, but something for us to look forward to. You know, and now, now you could even throw Sweet Caroline in there for um, Steve Wormer's screen. He loves playing Sweet Caroline after we win. He does. And there was a significant time in there when we built the new stadium, so 2011 on, where uh, Black Eyed Peas, I Got a Feeling, was, was also played at the end when, whenever we won a football game. So that was you know, several key pieces to drawing the crowd in and giving them something to get excited about. Best part about uh, Jump Around is identifying on film the best <laughs> dancers that we have on the sideline. Yes. I mean, we have Drill Killer. He was one of the best. Uh, that's some good stuff right there. But it it brought something for us to get excited about. And that really is the, and that's the, I mean, that really is significant for us to get that done. Um, nutrition table. That was another piece that that we implemented that wasn't well received. You remember that? Not well received. They had to kick a kid out. Didn't get to travel with us because he refused to eat. Um, and then his dad and him calmed down when they figured out that we actually got it from the University of Iowa, uh, what we were eating and how we were going about doing it. And the fact that it was four hours before kickoff and all of that, 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 um, you know, and I think I tell this story frequently is that back when we were in uh, the old locker room 
when we had to come up the hill and then when we switched to Eastview, when Eastview got built and we, and we were over there getting ready, the number of um, five hour energy drink bottles that were laying around on the floor because our kids were hammering those um, before games was, was incredible. And so us implementing nutrition table and getting that going um, was a significant piece for us. And, and the number of cramps and the number of health, you know, poor nutrition related incidents that we had significantly dropped. I mean, it, it, they went almost to non-existent um, when it came to that after we implemented it. So I, I would tell you that these are things we need to get back to telling our players why we do what we do. Because at this point, we just do it because it's the Norwalk way. But every now and then, it would probably be good to say, we got this from Iowa. We do it four, four sure. hours before kickoff. Here are the reasons. Because I, I know when people come in the advocate's office and say, why did we do this? You know, as far as school rules or school processes, lots of times I get asked the question because I'm the only one who's been around as to why this is why this was ever implemented, Fran or I. So sometimes it's good to go back and revisit that here is the rationale now as to why we do it. Not that it can't change, uh, but I think, yeah, I just think our kids hearing it now would be interesting. All these things that we did to try to better our program, explaining to them, this is why we do it. You um, know what I mean? Because yeah, I think oh, they just, this is just their process. We just had that conversation at lunch today. What, what was the initial reason why we did that class? Right? I mean, that, that, that was, yeah. that was the same thing we talked about. Next. Um, and I think this one is this one is a key piece too. shake it up at the end. You know, there, every single practice from 2007 on. And initially, when we first started, you had to you had to not only shake or fist bump, whatever, every single person on the team, but you also had to say their name. You want to talk about unity that that made a significant difference for us. We don't have to do the name so much anymore because of the way that we have squads set up and, and the way that we we implement everybody knowing one another, but we still shake it up. Well, we didn't this year, uh, terrible. But typically in a normal year, we shake it up because it's, it is a significant piece that whether we had a good practice or we didn't have a good practice, whether whether I'm angry with you because you're on offense and I'm on defense and, and you did this to me and whatever, I'm shaking your hand at the end of practice. That was huge for us and a huge shift well, that's our yeah that's our moment of practice is over you know i might get upset at you at practice but we're off the field and you're my teammate my brother and i love you yep Back now, to i give you i gave you i gave you a blank stare at the start of that when you said shake it up because i was like when do we play the car song shake it up at any games or <laughs> that's what i I don't know why I like the cars. So I was like, we don't, we don't even play shake it up ever. What are you what talking, talking about? about? Yeah. I love it. Oh, you mean, you mean shake it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like handshake it up. Handshake. Next one was leadership. Yeah. We, we started to emphasize leadership a little bit more, you know, and trying to help people be leaders, you know, and one of the things that, that I think, and I've talked to you about this and I, and especially talked to Chris Basinger about it is, is if somebody wants to be a leader, it's our job to help them. You know, we, we we've got to figure out a way to, to make that right. For them it may not work out but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and and that was huge for us in trying to figure out what it is that we want kids to know and how can we help them and what can we do to help foster some sort of leadership in them um, and bring them to where they want to be and and help them grow and that was a huge thing for us trying to implement that and and, and shift it you know and now you fast forward from 2007 
ish to 2021. And every single program in the high school has to have some sort of leadership program, has to have some sort of leadership component to their program as a uh, as a high school sport. And that's a significant shift. Entire our entire athletic department compared to where it was, where nobody did it. And then we just had a few sprinkles here and there. I don't know if you're saying you're going to say something or not. So I'm sitting here waiting. Uh, so I, um, here, here's my blunt thoughts. When, when one program did it, I thought it was very impactful. Now when all programs do it, I worry that it's become watered down. Okay. And I wonder, I wonder the level of effectiveness of what's going on. Like, our kids inundated with the process, the process, the process, the process, and now it loses its value. And I'm not saying all programs shouldn't do it, but I wonder if we should re-examine the fact that eight uh, boys athletic programs are doing it in eight, and I don't know if the number's right, girl program, is there a way to combine some of what we do? Like, if we're going to have a unified weight room, why wouldn't we have a unified leadership Fair enough. program? Too bad Al doesn't listen to this. He, you just gave him some good ideas, right? Um, I think one of the one of the other things, and I am I am now winding down. Um, one of the one of the other things is is that the emphasis on winning um, went away. You know, we we had that as number one. I had that as number one. How do we win? 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 There wasn't any any talk about developing. There wasn't any talk about trying to figure out. Um, all the other components that that are a part of winning, it was just straight win. How do we win? And we and we weren't very good at it. We started to place emphasis on some of the other, all the things that we talked about, some of the other things, um, and, and winning took care of itself. It just did. So that was a key piece for us, a key shift in in our in our thinking and our um, way of doing things. I think I think winning's still high. <laughs> well, again, it isn't. We we don't we don't go into a game thinking or or planning, you know, or trying to lose. I'm just saying that that winning is now not the only thing that we are so focused on and that we are so driven to do. We also yeah. want to help develop kids. I see it as, you know, winning, uh, and we talk about this, winning is an outcome. Yes. How we work with kids in our program is a process. Yep. And so our process isn't going to be do this and this and this so you can win. It's do this and this and this, execute it well so we can, so, uh, you know, we can win that down. And if we do enough of that, then the outcome takes care of itself. Right. So I, I still think winning is, the result we want everybody wants that i think we changed our process and our coaching so that everything you know for a while we were always competing we got to win this win that win this win that and now it was more this is the things you have to do in individual to execute in group to execute execute in team and if we do that well then we win yeah and, and i just i don't want people to think that that winning is now not important to us. It, it isn't the only thing we focus on. And for me, that's all I focused on. I wanted to win. How do we win? What do we need to do to win? Win, win. And now it is, if you do X, Y, and Z, and you do it really well, 
you, you got a really good chance that you're going to come out on top on Friday. Well, I always know I still got to work on it because I'm playing, I'm playing Madden with Hugh and he's got the Baltimore. Yeah. And he's got the Baltimore Ravens and he's just running his quarterback everywhere. There's, I, I can't tackle him. He's pretty good. He's never, he's never throwing the ball. He's just, he's backing up 30 yards and then running. I'm like, that's just not right. That's just not, that's just, and then I had to get back to the process. I'm like, okay, so if we need to, we need to call some contained defenses in Madden. We need to call some, we went dime so we could flood the flats to keep him in the pocket with some outside blip. So we found a way to, I don't know how to do that. defense? Okay. Okay. I know, I know Leighton Vander Esch can't spy him. He's too slow. Yeah, that's in real life that you knew that, right? And Madden. Okay. Um, then the, the last piece as far as uh, us getting back is uh, our freshman weight room. We, we did incoming freshmen their own session um, in the afternoon or evening in the summer, Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, where they're all by themselves. No other, no upperclassmen, nobody else gets to go. It is just the incoming freshmen significant piece for us as far as the development of our freshman athletes in the weight room because it's all about fundamentals at that point in time. That was a key, key shift and change for us. Fundamentals, technique, and even Tyler Endress, the man child, went through Tyler the Van same Gordon, Ryan, Tyler Van Gorder, Ryan Kennedy, all those kids that that you know were were physically developed enough to to jump in with the with the seniors and lift with them had to go through all of that and, and do the lightweight and the reps and, and the technique. Well, and you know, what's interesting when you name those names, uh, Ryan Kennedy's still playing for Wayne state. Tyler Endress is, is at Iowa and um, Van Gorder could have played, decided he wanted to drive big trucks places. So somehow those guys who didn't go through what other people would say, the regular lifting process or the traditional lifting process, mm -hmm. they all made it to, schools on scholarship still did okay yeah yeah um so now that really was the the early stages of us making a shift you know the the true phoenix and now you know for us continuing our evolution in our program you know we we've implemented squads and we've talked about that before with the senior trip and and many of the other little things that we do um that are significant for us you know and i think we've got to continue to do that we've got to continue to go you know one of the things i told uh, do you have anything about that I like them. Okay. Um, I, one of the things that, you know, I, I had shared, several people have talked to me off the record about, you know, our persistence and resilience um, when it comes to all the things that have happened to us in our coaching career, and we're still here, and we're still fighting for things, you know, and I, and I told them some of the things I left out um, of, the, of the episode last week, you know, the me getting subpoenaed um, and, and sitting in a courtroom and getting grilled just absolutely grilled about things when it comes to the football program, which is not why I was sitting in the courtroom, but that's what it shifted to, to um, us getting ready to go to the dome. And the one, one of the parents standing on the side of the road, jumping up and down and cheering like crazy for us was one of the people that signed the petition. That same person and their spouse sat in a gymnasium in the, in the winter of 2016, when, when I was fortunate enough to be named 
Class 3A Coach of the Year, which you guys remember because you never let me live that down when we were at the clinic. Hey, hey, hey. Coming through. Anyway, we, shut up. How come, it wasn't about letting it. If we said your name at to any restaurant or anything, if we rolled yeah, into the TGIFs um, and, and we wanted to get a seat, all we had to say, hey, this is Paul Patterson. Coach it didn't. It didn't work at Jethro's. So, as they are, as Al brings me out into the middle of the floor, the crowd on the on the home side stands up for a standing ovation. Two people that stood up that were in the corner were two people that signed the petition. But now here they are in a standing ovation, clapping for me. I do not forget things like that. Well. That's you and I are a little bit different. I've got a, I've got a short memory. There's stuff that's been done to me and I just don't remember. And you've got a long memory and you seem to remember when stuff's been done to me. And I'm like, Oh, okay. But I, I won't, when you're talking you... about the things that have happened, you won't let me forget. I so, will hold on to it I, for you. That have happened, I think we're, we're both, whichever route that is, I think we both enjoy watching kids develop become better players and and since it's football that I do football soccer you know and become better men I, at the end of the day I'm not sitting here if I don't enjoy what I do and and I have I've shared this uh, many times I love going to work every day I love it I love going to practice I, I'll be honest with you it, whether we got to play another football game or not would not impact my enjoyment of going to practice I love individual. I love working with the offensive linemen. I love hanging out with them. I love Mrs. Lippy's private time and all the things that we do at practice. I love going to practice. I you, love you, get coming like, to you get an hour and 15 minutes for individual and it makes us have a three hour practice. <laughs> well, the unfortunate thing is, is that because I can do individual for so long, because there's so many things that we can work on. The rest of you guys are just in trouble. But I, my point is, even through all of the tough times, even through all of the things that have happened and now all of the things that have been positive and have been good and all the relationships that you've built with people over the years, I still love going to work every day. And I love coaching football and I love being in the weight room and I love what I do. And I think it's important. And there is not a day, not one that goes by in which I am not laughing at something. Whether that's making fun of Alan, the way that he tweets about things, um, something that Jake Brown is saying in the room, something that a kid says, whatever, there, there, is, there is always a smile and there's always laughter. Um, and I hope that for everybody that you get to be in a position like that. You know, shoot, even at lunch today, you know, we were, we were cackling about something. I don't even remember exactly what we were laughing about, but it was fun. I, I love going to work every day. The moments that I always like to, to laugh about at practice are like when Firing the defensive gets to blow their electronic whistle <laughs> that was so annoying but funny um at the same time so it, that 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 really is you know for us that's the process that's us rising from the ashes of the dark ages is is all of the things that we just talked about those were significant pieces and and obviously we probably forgot about a few things but um you know some of you that have been through it with us love to hear from you you know and even if you weren't through it and and have some thoughts on it, i'd love to hear hear from you as far as feedback but but that's really all i've got from the papa burger section you know, you didn't really you didn't really mention the toughness challenge i mean you alluded to it 
I oh, think sure. That's, sure. Wing you know, edge. We, we had the, we had the thousand pound yep. club when Wing you and edge. I were together and then the winning edge, you know, we, we brought that back or not brought that back, but you'd Stole research it. From and, yeah. And brought that in and, and um, tweak it every year. We try to tweak it every year to make it tougher. And, you know, I had a kid today talk about um, that in their exit interview. You know, just how I know I'm in better shape when freshman year, I couldn't do it. Sophomore year, I got closer. Junior year, I barely made it. And then senior year, I killed it. And he's like, that gave me confidence to know I'm, I'm in shape to play football. And so those are, those are messages, you know, to, that would be good to pass down to our younger kids because we need more kids in. You in, should, uh, you know, we've group, even got but, kids right now who are who are working out and they're like hey um is it okay if i you know if i bench because i kind of want to see where i'm at with uh, winning edge numbers you know can i can i squat can i hang clean um and they're thinking about it right now in february as opposed to waiting until july to see if they're if they're ready or not i think that is uh it it isn't always on their mind but it is a significant enough um event in our program that they, they have their mind on it often. Yeah. And, you know, and the next thing, when you talk about rise from the ashes, um, I think our, our next step, since we've seen how to reinvent yourself, we gotta be, we gotta be a little Kirk Ferentz. We gotta reinvent ourselves again. And I not agree. because, of, not because of the winning and the loss or whatever it was last year, just because, um, like you said, we tweak the winning edge almost every year. I think we have to start tweaking some of the things we do. And we do do that. But um, as we move into this 5A, 4A, 3A, and we're in 4A, I, I think there'll be some different challenges that we have to think about how we're going to approach that, whether that's practice schedule or something else. You, got, you and I have talked about several. Yep. Okay, um, you know. the, number one, uh, classifications have not been released. So that is just us speculating. Um, Allegedly. Two, two um, you know, the, the thing that, that, that I, I'm focused heavily on is, is we, we, have, we have gotten to the point where um, us going one way has resulted in us being complacent with being the best for our position, even though I didn't have to work at it. And we can't do that anymore. We've got to get back to pushing each other in, in competition and things like that. And I think that is going to be something that we're obviously, I mean, we're looking at it. We now we have to, we have to do something about it um, as we move forward. And, and it's, it's going to be a key piece because it's really easy in theory to say, well, you just need to do this, but, but actually laying it out and, and coming up with a practice plan and, and having um, significant steps in place for us to, to execute that way different, way different. And it's very tough. So that's all yeah, I got. Yeah, I you got one more? No, it, um, you know, we, we've lost a significant member on, on the defensive staff. And yep. um, that made me think back to when you and I were um, in the dark ages and we lost a significant amount of coaches. And it was just you and I, and we took for granted some things. And that's made me, I, you know, I sent you the, the Google Doc of here's what I'm thinking, that we need to get back to reassigning coaches. We need to get back to this, you know, that too long have I allowed us defensively to sit back and um I got a bunch of good defensive coaches that coach underneath me so to speak we all coach together but you know what I mean as coordinator I really think that it's we've got like four co-coordinators well you lose a piece and then you start to say okay what happens if I lose two pieces 
And so that, that rise from the ashes, okay. And it's nice where we are, where we're one of the more uh, blessed programs as far as wins and losses in the last whatever, 10 years. Uh, but now how do we get to that next level? You know, the, uh, um, that spreadsheet sure sounds like you're trying to handle me again, but that's okay. I, I, I apparently I need it. So concierge, concierge. Hey, Paul, <laughs> this is what happened. Whoever comes to you is the traitor. Oh man. That's just, that's funny and dumb all at the same time. So do you have anything final from the Papa Burger section? Nope. I'm kind of upset. You just called me dumb. We had a lot of, we had a lot of work to do um, back in the day. So we're going to move on to history. Obviously, last week we talked about all the losing seasons and the 61 seasons of football at Norwalk. And now, yep, you guessed it. We're going to talk about the winning seasons. Lawrence Gable, very first head football coach at uh, Norwalk um, on record. He was here for four seasons. He had one winning season. Ed Nelson is here for two seasons. We won't talk about why Ed Nelson only lasted two seasons, but thank goodness he did because Dave Minert, Ernest David Minert came in after that, but Ed Nelson here for two seasons, zero winning seasons. Dave Minert here for 29 seasons, 17 of which were winning seasons. Ray Lipovac here for three seasons, zero winning seasons. Tom Scallon, head coach for three seasons. I can't say here for three seasons, but head coach for three seasons, one winning season. Paul Patterson here for 21 seasons, 12 of which are winning. Now, just for the record, if Schmitz knocks the ball down <laughs> or, and I know we're griping about officials here, or we don't get jobbed on the no. touchdown, <laughs> then we're six and three that year. That's all I'm saying. So oh I'm my gosh. Two winning, two winning seasons. I can't believe you just went there with, with you know, he's, 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 well, he's he, on a high right now. I got to level him out. He's on a high right now. Okay. He'll coach. You're doing a great he'll job. to this tonight and he'll coach better. You're doing a great job of bringing him back down. Now, I love him. Here's the here's the final piece, and this is one of the things that I'm 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 most proud of when it comes to Norwalk football. Sixty-one seasons of Norwalk football. Two guys were here for fifty of the sixty-one. Dave at twenty-nine, and myself at twenty-one. Fifty of the sixty-one seasons has been two guys. I think that's pretty significant and remarkable. If I do say so myself. Well, as long as you as long as you don't screw it up, you might be here longer than 29. Well, I mean, obviously that's the plan. I don't have any, I'm I'm not planning on going anywhere. I haven't been anywhere else, and I don't have any plan on going anywhere from here. I only got like nine more and then I'm out. Okay. Nine more. Where's Hugh gonna be? Now you got more than that. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Uh college. We're going to say post-secondary education just because we I don't know if he's going to go, but. When you have four kids, you're out of money. You send the last one to the military. Football, just, football scholarship. This just like, this is just like medieval times. The fourth <laughs> son has to go in either the church or the military. Okay. Well, good luck you. Um, here's my positive. Have anything else about the history or you're good with it? No, I'm good with it. Here's my positive. Kathy Hughes. She is our, uh, our, our lead custodian during the day. 
And I think she, number one, I, I think the most important thing about Kathy is that she cares. She takes great pride in what she does and she cares that her job is done and done right. I think that is huge for anybody. And I don't care what your job is. And I don't care what you do for a profession or a career or a job right now. If you care that your job is done well and you take great pride in making sure that your job is done the way that it's supposed to be done, you are a positive for me. How's that sound? I'm with you. Does a great job. And I, one of my favorite things about her is, is uh, obviously she, I don't know if you've ever heard her talk about Yebu. No. Um, the Yebu bear. Yebu bear is famous for doing things that are, are really good. And then they turn out to be bad. You know, so you go from yay to boo. Um, that's one of her little inside jokes with, with some of us about oh, the Yebu. Okay, I thought you were talking about gummies. What are those little gummy bears called? Um, are those, are those car caribou bears? I don't know. Caribou, caribou bears. That's what I thought you were talking about. Caribou, caribou bears. Yes, caribou bears. Yeah. The red ones are the best when they, they're talking in kid voices. But no, she's yay, boo. So yay, and then boo. She talks about that all the time. Anyway, long story short, I love her relentlessness when it comes to sending over tickets to the district office in which she usually gets her hand slapped for resubmitting a, a, a ticket that did not get fulfilled um, or fixed. She is really good at that. Well, that's part of the Paul Patterson philosophy. <laughs> that's true. But persistence, the, persistence. I like it. At the end of the day, Kathy Hughes does a fantastic job for us at the high school. She's a positive she works hard. She's smiling. She's very kind. She's very polite and cares an awful lot about um, her job. And she cares an awful lot about all of us. And she cares an awful lot about her building and all the kids. And I think that um, she's a huge positive for us. Okay, good talk. I agree. Good talk. So let's recap. Number one, our non-sponsor, Danby, a great refrigerator company. You know, yes. they specialize in some some uh, nice refrigerators that do things other than just keep, you know, there's no freezer to it. No freezer. It's just, it's a straight fridge. Straight fridge. 33.5 degrees-ish. Yep. Yep. It's good. Um, the next is obviously this was, you know, Phoenix, Rise from the Ashes. So we talked about all the things that we did um, coming out of the dark ages to help us get to where we are now. And you know, obviously there's some more things for us to do. And this is part two in a three-part series. And next week, we're going to have Kevin Ferguson on uh, and talk about, you know, as a, as a new head coach, what are the things that you're doing coming into a program? And what are you looking for? What are you doing? And, and we'll have a series of questions for him to answer. And, and we'll go through that. And as always, uh, really want you to, to send us your feedback and let us know what you thought of the, of the podcast. And we appreciate everybody that's listening. And as I told you, you know, at some point in time, we're going to have to get microphones. And I, I don't know how that's going to happen or when that's going to happen, but at some point in time, we're going to have to, uh, maybe that, maybe one of our sponsors will, uh, will sponsor for us. We, we've done a whole bunch of sponsors. Why can't they just ante up for a microphone? Yeah. We, or we probably should let them know we're sponsoring them. Maybe. Sponsor, non-sponsor. Maybe our marketing director could do something and make us a little money um, that would pay for our, uh, our microphones. 
we could also probably go to the back room area of your room and there's probably some microphones in, but that's school stuff and we don't want to do that. Nope. Nope. Especially now after just that. that. Just read that new tech. Right. Board policy. Yeah. We better stay away from that. So again, this is episode 39, Phoenix rising from the ashes. We're just going to call it the Phoenix. We're not putting the rising from the ashes on there, but um, we appreciate you listening. And um, it's a Wednesday night. It is uh, February 17th, 2021. And I am Paul Patterson signing off. Thanks for listening. Bye. Closing time. Thank you for listening to the Talking the Walk podcast show.